Jones, prepare for multi-ball. Hello, and welcome to Pinball Nerds Podcast, coming all the way from River Hibbert's Nova Scotia to the holes in the side of your head, introducing your host, Orbital Albert. Take it away. Welcome back, Pinball Nerds, to episode 252 of your fifth favorite pinball podcast. My name's Orbital Albert, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about drama is for dorks. Okay, so just recently, I was listening to the Eclectic Gamers Pinball Podcast, or the Eclectic Gamers Podcast, because it's pinball and video games, of course, and uh, that's with Denny, Dennis Creasel and also his buddy Tony, who does more of the, the game stuff than the pinball and vice versa, but quite often they do end up spending a whole chunk of time speaking about pinball, I'm not going to lie. And I had talked to my upcoming co-host, uh, Mr. Chris Grosner. Chris, if you're listening... Uh, fire me off a message. When's going to work for you? We were hoping to get in a live, uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris, the pin turns my good buddy, Chris Grosner, and he's a, uh, uh, a really nice dude. My brother from another mother down there in the States. And, uh, he's pin turned for me at a couple different shows and events and helped out. He's also co-hosted the show a couple times. Um, he's going to be back on the show soon and we were talking about what we should talk about and when we were just going back over it I said you know should we talk about all this pinball drama stuff and even though I heard Special and Lit did a whole episode on it I've heard them you know touch on it of course uh, on This Week in Pinball and most of it was talked about you know on on between last week's This Week in Pinball and and uh, head-to-head pinball, like I said, mentioned it. Slam Tilt even did a really cool take on it where Stewie himself, it wasn't Ron, it was Stewie himself, came on Slam Tilt and talked about all the drama. That was probably the funniest it was talked about. The most serious was probably on the Eclectic Gamers. Um, I appreciate everyone's takes on it. Dennis did say, though, that he thinks that it is all the podcasters' job to chime in on it, and I'm going to explain to you why I disagree with him a little. Now... Is it good that some people, especially like what what happened with with Aaron with um, Nitro Pinball, that for sure needed to be called out. That for sure needed to be said. Someone was illegally, physically assaulted, assumably or assumption like that. That's what the assumption is, and I'm just saying that so I can't get in trouble because of course it hasn't been proven in a court of law, but. I completely believe everything she said, and then especially all the rebuttals we've heard from. Uh, his wife or so-called wife's account on Pinside. Anyways, here's the thing. I'm trying not to go into that. What I'm trying to say is that drama is for dorks. I used to be, a, and still am from time to time, a very dramatic person and can overemphasize. I can, uh, I can, you know, exaggerate things from time to time. Okay, I fancy myself a bit of a storyteller, which is why you're here listening to my podcast. But... For the most part, for those of you who know me, is I have attempted to avoid drama as much as I could, wherever I could, whenever I can. And the reason I do that is because I used to be a bit of a hothead. I used to have a bit of a bad temper. I used to allow everything around me to frustrate me or annoy me or get me upset almost constantly. And nowadays, I try very, very, very hard not to do that. Uh, and I think what might have started to change it all for me was watching the Big Lebowski, and how relevant is it 
that the Big Lebowskis are now being shipped. This is crazy. Um, so even though I do agree with Dennis that it is good that we do talk about it. So for instance, in the case of sexism, if you had a whole bunch of sexist jokes constantly being spread by one person, say in your pinball group, and whether or not there was women there that night or not, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't be happening. What I would do is I wouldn't call the guy out in front of everybody. I'm just a guy who just wouldn't laugh ever. Like if you're making jokes about whatever, anything sexist or racist or anything that's just not cool, uh, I don't feel like it's my spot. Now, if you're my good buddy, like if you're one of my top 10 like good buddies, yeah, I'm going to maybe say something, maybe not in front of everybody, but be like, I don't know, dude, that's not very cool. You know what I mean? Like, But for the most part, I don't feel like it's my duty or my job. I just don't laugh at it. I just don't, I don't call the people out, but I don't also join in. I don't just laugh just to not feel awkward. I try not to anyways. Um, and usually those jokes are just stupid anyways. So, but the point is, is that when all this drama was happening with Nitro, I brought it up because it was proven drama. It was serious drama and it was clear. We knew who was in the wrong. As far as all the stuff goes, you guys know here on the show, I'm, I've never actually met Christopher Franchi. I've never actually hung out with him. I did have plans at one point to hopefully get Jack Danger to come this way and do a live stream. Uh, we were going to try to play at Franchi's house and kind of meet halfway. And uh, I was going to drive over there to Detroit. Now I'm living like 20 hours away from there. So that can't happen as easily. But um, when he was getting all that grief about the Pintastic art, I was kind of just like, I think it looks rad. It's not offensive to me. I showed my wife. She thought it was awesome. Um, she's a very assertive woman. She was on the Forest City Derby Girls team there in London. If she thought there was something at all sexist or anything offensive to her, she would have told me. She probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, freaked out about it. She probably wouldn't have been part of call-out culture and, like, posted it to Facebook, but she would have been like, I don't know. That's kind of not cool. Now, that being said, you know, we're kind of punk rock and whatever else. She's seen me have shirts that are a hundred times more offensive. I mean, you just need to look at like, uh, you know, the Metallica shirt, my good buddy, Matt McGoffin wore all the time. He was like in grade eight and he was wearing this, uh, metal up your ass shirt. And, and with like, you know, literally a puppet getting, uh, metal shoving up his butt. And like, I don't know, whatever else was happening on those masters of puppets with the people coming back from the dead and, and Satan himself lifting up the puppets. I don't know. There's bad things happening on those shirts. They're very offensive. They're offensive to me. Uh, when I play Metallica, am I going to call out, is it Z Zombie Eddie who did that? Like, I, am I going to call out the artist? No. Uh, I don't find anything about playing Metallica offensive uh, other than maybe dude's voice, but uh, I'm not a Metallica fan. Sorry, Lars. Um, I do find it kind of funny that he was like a rich friggin' spoiled brat who was like a tennis guy before that. And now he's trying to be this like white trash metalhead, brah. And like, he's so hardcore. And yet there's all these pictures of him with like his polo sweaters folded nicely over his, his back. And he's going out to the country club and he's like some wealthy dude. Now he's like, screw you world. I don't know. I just always picture like some metal guy like that growing up, like in hard times or something. But Anyways, what I'm getting at is that if you don't hear me talk about drama on this show, it's because it's one of my, that's right, the mini top five is back. There's five things I don't talk about on this pinball podcast. Number one is I usually don't talk about the drama. The drama, for instance, with Christopher Franchi, then Bowen Karens, basically. And I love Bowen. I even have here on a list, okay? So don't be offended, Bowen, because I know you listen to the show. 
but I have like a top 10, you know, my top 10 favorite Bowen videos. That's like, you can scroll down and see that. I did that a couple months ago. Um, I think Bowen is hilarious. I think he's a talented pinball player. I think he's a talented rules maker. I think it was very intelligent and smart for Spooky to hire him to help with that game. I think Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is their best game because of Bowen. I think other than maybe Jack Danger and like Stern Pinball, Bowen Cairns is maybe number three for like for people just you know, to get into pinball, like reasons why they got into pinball, or if they were just starting to get into pinball, why they got more into it, because it opened a whole new world. When I found Bowen's videos, like after I went to a charity pinball tournament, um, every time I typed in like a familiar machine, newer machine, it would be Bowen doing the video. And if the video was so old and it was on Papa, and I'm sorry, Papa, I love you, but if the video was so old that no one talked or it was just kind of like not fun or exciting or because he made the videos interesting and fun and entertaining and would make jokes. And like, I don't even like playing Aerosmith, but during the Aerosmith one, he keeps calling Love Gun, uh, Love Gum, right? I, I don't know. Anyways, the point is, is that I've never actually talked to Bowen in real life. I've never even sent Bowen. I think I sent Bowen a friend request. I don't think he accepted it. Yeah, Bowen, you should accept my friend request, buddy. But uh, I do follow him, so I do see his posts. And for the most part, I think it's fine. But at the same time, he definitely, you cannot say that Bowen Karens is not probably pinball's biggest call-out culture uh, phenomenon or person, right? So I'm on Wikipedia right now. I just want to read out call-out culture. So call-out culture, also known as outrage culture, is a form of public shaming that aims to hold individuals and groups accountable by calling attention to their behavior that's perceived to be problematic, usually on social media. A variant of this form is cancel culture describes a form of boycott in which someone, usually a celebrity who has shared a questionable or unpopular opinion or has had behavior that is perceived perceived to be problematic, is called out on social media and is therefore canceled and completely boycotted by a large number of people, often leading to massive declines in celebrities, almost always social media personalities, careers, and fan bases. Now, that sounds to me exactly what happened to Christopher Franchi. Um, basically, he's felt the need at this point to pull out of future shows. Uh, he's probably not going to be as quick or excited about doing his next pinball artwork. Um, it's probably going to be maybe a struggle for him to go work with certain pinball companies now, even though almost everyone agrees that the Munsters uh, Premium was one of the most rad-looking pinball machines on the planet. All of the Munsters' artwork was incredible. The Beatles' artwork was incredible. All the artwork he's done is incredible. But we may have now lost Christopher Franchi due to Kahlo culture. Instead of now some of this, some of this, and again, this is why I don't talk about the drama usually. And again, you know, Dennis had mentioned on the Eclectic Gamers podcast that he thinks it is, you know, if you're part of the media, you kind of got to mention this. You can't, and I don't like glazing over everything. I'm not afraid to talk about sensitive topics. I did a whole podcast talking, uh, I think it was episode 151, if I remember correctly, or really close to that, right after I interviewed Ian Hayward, uh, the world's okayest pin turn, by the way. Uh, also, Gamma Goat on Twitch, right after I got to interview him. Um, I realized that several times during the interview, I cut him off. And it was because I was having basically what I would consider anyways with my limited knowledge and research on it. A, I was probably in the manic zone of my, I tend to ha have some bipolar tendencies. I don't know if I'm full scale, scale or not from 
the online testing I've done, I'm probably, uh, you know, I can get exceptionally excited or exceptionally upset about things quicker and more often than most people do. I am not someone who needs medication for it. Um, I'm not severely depressed at all. Mine does not last for a long time. People who are like, uh, like I'm, I'm a high end functioning, uh, and there's a word for it, a person who goes in and out of, uh, high to low really quickly. Anyways, the point is you guys probably know that you've probably heard me being really upset on this podcast and you've heard other times where I'm really excited and stoked about stuff or just kind of like tonight where I'm halfway in between because I'm sitting here in my boxer shorts on the couch because I was sweating my butt off planting a four-way apple tree in the backyard. Um, so, and I'm still excited, but I've got to get these in the ground before the bears come out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the bugs are just getting, the bugs are actually worse than the bears, even though the bears will come out later. My wife saw, my wife Danielle saw, uh, three deer this morning while she was, when she was getting out of the shower, just, uh, playing in our field there, which was kind of cool. But, um, anyways, this is not an Apple podcast. I did manage to score two 20% off apple trees. One's a four-way apple tree. Another one's a five-way apple tree. Uh, two of the varietals were the same on one of the, like one variety on each were the same. So instead of getting nine different types of apples, we have eight different types of apples here on the homestead within about two to three years, as long as I dig these holes deep enough for the taproot and far enough, and I trim them well, and I fertilize them well, and I take care of these awesome, and most of the varieties are like blight-free and like insect-free and like they're low risk for disease, but now I'm just going off topic. Um, See how much I don't want to talk about the drama? If you don't hear me talking about the drama, it's because I just don't know which side to be on. And I don't like people who pretend to be uh, on one side or the other and don't really know what they're talking about, but just take a side because they feel like they have to take a side. And then on the flip side of that, I don't really enjoy listening to podcasts talking about the, the topics for long periods of time when they're both, especially if they're not like neither of them are really taking or, or just a single, if it's a single person one, if no one's really taking sides, that's also just not that interesting to me. To me, there's just always going to be more interesting things. Does it mean I should be spending my time doing it? Perhaps. I don't want to be part of call out culture because I think that call out culture, although sometimes does some good for public shaming, like it did in the Nitro case, in the case of Bo and Karen's and Christopher Franchi, and Pentastic and artwork and pinball, I don't know who lost more. I don't know if Bowen lost respect for maybe just a little bit too often putting his nose where it doesn't need to be. I don't know if on the same hand, maybe, you know, Christopher Franchi kind of didn't do a, as good of a job defending himself as he could have. He, maybe he got a little bit hot-headed himself and kind of dealt with some issues, maybe not in the best manner. And I think that that's possible as well. But again, I avoid this stuff. I, if I'm reading through Pinside, and that's why you hardly ever hear me talk about Pinside, if people get negative or dramatic on there, instead of like I, the old Albert, before I was an ordained dudist priest, okay, before I was a dude who just let it abide, I would get into that and I would start writing about it and arguing. And I used to be that guy who argued on social media. You'll see me like... Literally, I think the two times I chimed in, I think they were on, I think Jason Fowler said something really smart from the Slap Save Pinball podcast on the thread that was on Pinball Profile, I believe, or maybe Jeff Teol's his personal, I'm not sure where he posted it, but it was a message from Christopher Franchi kind of to Bowen saying, let's debate this, let's talk about this. I just don't know if debating it and talk about it, it's, it's, I don't know if there's anything good to be had from it. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't think that Bowen wants to do it, so I don't think that that's going to be happening. But in that case, I don't know 
If Bowen was more correct or Franchi was more correct, I don't really care. I don't really want to worry about it. I don't think that the artwork that Christopher Franchi did was horrible. I can, at the same time, being, you know, a loving, kind, generous, you know, respectful human being can see that if you're a woman and women have been on the other side of being over-sexualized in pinball and a lot of different art and film, and you could say that about pornography, you could say that about television, you could say that about film, you could say that about comics, you could say that about video games. It's true, women have been over-sexualized and they have not, you know, we haven't spent enough time and energy thinking about how intelligent they are and how funny they are, or how skilled at pinball they are. And when Fred Richardson had that slip, and I think it was a slip, and I think it's a slip that any of us could have made, okay, regardless of our age, regardless of our sex, um, I think it's a slip that any of us could have had. Um, I'm sure I've said things on this po uh, pinball podcast. I just This is an example. This is an example of me being sexist, and this is just from the last few months. My youngest son, Owen, okay, and so this is me doing call-out culture for myself. So I think that's allowed if you call yourself out, right? I'm publicly shaming myself here. I called out my son. He really, we were at Matt McGoffin's house and it was a party and it was late at night and he was pretty tired and he was pretty grumpy. He's very well behaved because I've been very strict with him his whole life. Um, but I'm also a fun dad. Don't worry. I'm not just Mr. Stricto. Um, and you know, Matt had sang four or five songs in a row of, uh, uh, when we, when we get really, after we have more than like two or three beers, we still love pinball, but eventually Matt just wants to play guitar hero and do the vocals. And I like to like do the bass on medium and then Eric's doing the guitar on expert. And it's fun. We're jamming out once in a while. We'll get someone else to pull out the drums and we'll play the drums. It's really fun. We love playing that game, but Owen had sang a song and then Matt had had a couple drinks. So he had sang several in a row and, we were leaving and Owen was like, no, Matt promised me, like apparently when I went to the bathroom, Matt said, oh, okay, you can have the next song, buddy. And I was like, no, your mom wants to go home and go to bed. Like we're, we're moving soon. We're trying to move across the country. You're not going to play. And he starts crying. And I said, give me a break. You've had a great day. You've had a great night. We went out for a nice dinner. We're all going to go home. We've been here a long time. You know, it was a great party, but we're exhausted. It was, and anyway, so we're leaving, we're getting out the door and we're getting in the car. Now I had had some drinks, but this isn't an excuse, right? But I said something to the lines of Owen of stop crying and man up. You need to just stop crying. There's no reason to be crying right now. I didn't say to him like, what are you, a two-year-old girl crying like a little girl? Like you're such a girly boy. No, I didn't say that, but I used the term man up. And I kind of got the side eye from Danielle. And then I was like, is that, is that bad to say? She was like, well, kind of, because then you're insinuating that women aren't strong. And I'm like... I am. And I was like, wait, but both my dads always said to me, come on, man up. Like if I hurt myself a little and I was being overdramatic about it. See, there's that drama. That's why we don't like drama. And they would say things like that to me all the time. But maybe my generation, maybe me, maybe Albert Adrian Agar, Mr. Orby himself is the guy who stops that from, you know, Hayden and Owen saying that to their children if they want to have children in the future. Maybe I can be the one to prevent that. And I had just never really thought of that term of man up as being that bad. I was just, I just, I was telling my, you know, my sons like, hey guys, you got to really get it together and, 
and be a little more adult. It wasn't to me, it was more of an age related thing. Like don't act like a younger kid than you are. It wasn't, but I can understand. So what I should have said is, come on, buddy, you, you don't need to get that upset about this. Really think about it. We'll talk about it in the morning. Once you've had some more sleep, I think you'll realize you got to have tons of fun tonight. You got to sing lots of songs and let's be honest, Owen wants Fortnite. Uh, he wants all these other cool video games. He likes Pokemon, but he doesn't really want Rock Band. He just wanted to be part of the group. He wanted to sing because he saw everyone else singing, right? So, and he's a great kid, but it's just something as simple as that. If I happen to be live in a podcast and that happened and I said, hey, Owen, man up. Someone could have clipped that little bit and posted it on there or said, hey, guys, listen to this. It's so sexist. And I mean, if Bowen had called me out on that, I guarantee you I would have got tons of hate mail. I don't think he actually really listens, by the way. It'd be so cool if he does. And Bowen, if you do, can you accept that friend request? I think I've resent it twice now. Uh, and look, we've got like 100 friends in common, for God's sake. What do I have to do, Bowen? I've mentioned you on 40 shows. Come on. Wait, now after I've kind of called him and call-out culture out on this show, he's not going to accept my friend request. Anyways, I think that calling people out on things is fine. Ideally, if you know them, it might be good to speak to them personally. In the case of what Fred said about uh, Piranka, what is her name? Um, I have her on Facebook. I feel bad. But uh, she basically like had already, I guess, accepted his apology and thought it was done and over with. Then the next day, it kind of all came out. So, I mean, to me, in, in, in that personal case, if she's already accepted his apology... Everybody who was watching might have had their own opinions. Went, yeah, that wasn't really cool. But is it bad enough to try to slam the guy? Like, I feel like I feel like Fred Richardson kind of got really the bad end of this. Now, I will mention uh, Ian Hayward, who I mentioned. He also, you know, clipped that. I, I don't, I don't know if he was the one who clipped it or if he just shared it. But he he had shared it also. Him and Bowen had both shared that clip. And uh, it's, I do think it is good that you talk about it. Maybe we could talk about it in a more positive fashion that helps pinball. What I really didn't like was there was so many good vibes. Every single podcaster who went to Pinburg was riding a freaking high leaving. Every single pinball nerd who went to Pinburg was leaving riding on a friggin' high. And then what did we have to go do? We had to take... The three seconds, and I count, it was three seconds of him making a, one bad mistake in, what, 40 hours of live streaming that weekend? There was one one slight misfire said. And his joke was more a self-deprivating joke about, and I do it all the time, uh, when I'm with my wife or something and, you know, we're being seated somewhere or something, I'll say, like, you know, beauty before age or something like that as a joke because she's far more beautiful than me and I'm far older than her, right? So, you know, I, I've made jokes like that before. I don't think she was offended at all. She knows she's prettier than me. She's looked in a mirror before. Um, so, you know, so I don't know. I just, you know, you've got to be sensitive. You've got to be careful. Oh, everyone is also very offended, and that's kind of like Franchi's side, and I see that as well. Who was more wrong or right in that? I don't know. So I don't like to take a stand when I don't know who's right. Also, I don't think that my listeners like to listen. This is probably going to be my, my least listened to podcast of all time. So let's move forward with the podcast, okay? So I'm on here right now on uh, dictionarykiwi.com. Uh, this is an article from October 17th, 2016 uh, by Kiwi, K-I-W-I. 
Um, it said the dude abides. What does abide mean in that context? So this is kind of where I'm coming from with talking about all the dude abide stuff, okay? And while I'm doing that, I'm like viciously swinging at and trying to kill the only animal I enjoy killing, a mosquito. That's right. If you're going to come suck my blood, you're going to get it. Do you hear me? Um, I thought the bears would be scarier than the mosquitoes. I thought the bears would be scarier than the bugs, but the bears were not scarier than the bugs. The bugs have bugged me far worse than the bears. Uh, the, every time the bears see me, they're running the opposite direction. Every time the bugs see me, they're like running for me. And I was just outside for maybe 20 minutes and I had to have on, uh, so much gear so I couldn't get bit, then tons of bug spray. Then I had to have on a bug net and even still then, I got three bites on the side of my forehead and two bites on the back of my head through the bug net. So that wasn't a black fly. That would have been a mosquito. I don't think the black flies can, they have to really get in there to get you. But anyways, I'm trying to abide, okay? So it says, the dude abides is a phrase in the eclectic, uh, sorry, eccentric cult film, The Big Lebowski. It's, a cin it's cinematic context is essential to understanding its current meaning. Abide is a complex, archaic word that means uh, vicariously. How do you how do you pronounce this, honey? It's V A R I O U S L Y. Do you have any clue? Ah, where's the C? Vicariously. Okay, thank you, honey. Uh, see, there you go. I got called out twice in the same show. I can't even read. The do. Oh, sorry, abide is a complex, archaic word that vicariously lives in, goes in accord with, and coexists in harmony with. In the specific sense of the film, it occurs because the narrator and the main character, characters who have been extravagantly shown to be archaic, obsolete, rambling, pointlessly verbose, were struggling to des describe a state of personal acceptance of fate. The dude abides essentially means the dude is but it is not meant in the declarative or defiant sense. It is intended as an observation and a statement of purpose. The dude exists in peace with many things that perturb him, okay? There are many issues and problems that he abides, and he abides them, which means that he endures them, he accepts them, without holding his approval, but vowing his non-interference. And that's why this dude, this podcasting dude, shall abide. I don't want to talk about every single time there's a bit of drama. I don't want to talk about it. Every single time that one of the manufacturers, oh yeah, sorry, I went on this mini rant, but I was talking about the five, the five things you're not going to hear on the show. You're not going to hear me talk a lot about drama because I don't care. You're not going to hear me, and I just, I would prefer to abide to it. You're not going to hear me talk a lot about fixing up machines because I suck at fixing machines. I don't know a lot about that. Um, I want to study a little bit more and, you know, try to fix things as they come along, but that's just, it's not something I'm into. Some dudes like working on machines and they're not great at necessarily playing them. That's not me. I prefer to be playing them. Um, and there are other people that are great at that. So let them be great at that. That's just not my thing. Uh, the next one is that you're never going to hear me talk much about uh, flipping machines because I'm not someone who's out there looking for a good deal on a machine and then just trying to make money and sell it and going on to the next one. 
a lot of dudes talk about that. I, even uh, the Canadian Pinball Podcast, that's a good chunk of their show. They don't talk about any pinball drama or pinball news or, you know, any of that kind of stuff going on. I do talk about some pinball news, so that's why that didn't make this top five. I don't talk about all of it. I talk about the stuff that interests me. Uh, number four, the thing that I never, ever talk about uh, is... Wait, one, two, three, four. Okay, sorry. This should be number five. The number five thing that I never, ever, ever talk about, okay, is manufacturers. I just don't really care. I mean, if one goes out of business or they come out with a new game, sure, if it's something huge like that, but I'm not going to be giving you your week-to-week -week update. I'm not going to be telling you, oh, guess what? Uh, the code on Ghostbusters is finally updated. Okay, if the code on Ghostbusters got updated, I probably would, right? But... It's just not something I'm into. You're going to hear me talking about fantasy pinball. You're going to hear me talking about fantasy themes. You're going to hear me uh, later on today giving you some more details about Orby's first fantasy pin. That's right. And how you can get your hot little hands on one. Um, and, uh, you know, you're going to hear me talking about tournament play. You're going to hear me talking about... Uh, I'm doing, hopefully coming up, uh, a whole segment on micro-nudging and when you hit the peak top bell curve of of nudging. And, and for a while, most of us will just be nudging way too much and moving the machine too much and how you slowly learn to dial that in and become a little bit more precise and how you can get away with bigger moves on machines without actually getting a danger, a double danger, or a tilt. You don't want to be tilty McTiltons, right? So... You know, you're going to hear me talk about lots of stuff like that. You're also going to hear me talk about the pinball media because I'm probably the pinball media's biggest super fan. You hear people talking about, you know, being a stern fanboy or talking about people being like a, a a pinball super fan. Well, I am a pinball media super fan. I may be the biggest one. I probably listen to more podcasts than everyone else out there, okay? Uh, I don't know about that. But, you know, I have, it's moved up. It was at five that I listened to religiously and I think I'm now at like nine that I just have to have to listen to every episode and then there's got to be another at least eight or nine on the outside of that that I listen to any episodes that intrigue me or I'll go listen to them if I haven't heard them for a while or if it's been a while since they've had an episode out or that sort of thing. Uh, speaking of that I do have to give a small shout out to Mr. Nate Shivers who's back that's right. He's interviewing Roger Sharp. I want to go listen to that. That's queued up soon. I was a little behind with all my travel, so I am getting caught up now, but I can't wait to listen to that. And apparently we get to hear Roger Sharp doing some retro, uh, you know, retro interviews from back in the day. Like I know I think Harry Williams is on there, so I can't wait to go listen to that. That's going to be so interesting to me just to hear about how people spoke about pinball back then and how far we've came. And essentially, Roger Sharp was the first pinball podcaster, and he didn't even know it. He was doing good old interviews back in the 70s and 80s, and they're now being exposed. So I just think that's so neat. It's like the hidden tapes, right? Uh, can't wait to listen to that. And you guys know I love Nate Shivers. I still think Nate Shivers is by far the best standalone pinball podcaster. So, you know, there's, you know, there's, I know there's Jeff Parsons with the Pinball Players Podcast. Got to interview him at Pinburg. That was so rad. Thanks, Jeff, so much for doing that and spending so much time with me. Um, he's moved out into his new house, and it looks like he's starting to get moved in. I know he showed a picture there of his son playing pinball in the basement, and it seems like that's going well. But uh, I'm really happy Nate Shivers is back. I was really upset when he was gone. I liked his style of not. He didn't talk a lot about drama. 
He didn't talk too much about manufacturers, maybe a little bit more than me. He did talk about new machines coming out. He did talk about what he loved in pinball. He was honest if he didn't love a machine. You guys have heard me be very honest about how I still... And now I did get to play it at Helicon Brewing, which was totally rad. Uh, but as long as there's enough machines around me, the Wonka music doesn't bother me if it's just kind of in the background. But the one arcade, I think it was Ace Arcade or something like that, I got to play in downtown Pittsburgh. It was the only machine being played anywhere around me, and that's all I could hear. And it was, I literally was going to go up to the girl at the front desk and just say, you don't by chance, because some arcades do carry like uh, earplugs. I was going to actually ask for earplugs. That's how irritating. And I was only playing two games on that game. If I'm two games in, like if you just paid, what is it, like eight and a half grand US? So like, I think Canadian, that's like $14,000. You just paid 14K and you have to put earplugs in just to play a game. It's like, I don't know, man. And there hasn't been a pinball machine with sound that bad for so long. I just don't know why they made those choices, especially when they apparently had the rights to so many of the songs from the movie and just so many different sound effects and just, I don't know. Anyways, uh, I still love Pat Lawler. I still like Jersey Jack. I have heard there's, from time to time, a higher percentage. Well, I've heard overall there's a higher percentage chance of having new in-box problems from a Jersey Jack, and they take longer to set up, and they're more to maintain, and all those sorts of things that you guys have heard as well. So that's probably the main reason why I may not own one unless I get way better at fixing one, or unless like one of my sons becomes like an awesome uh, pinball tech. I don't know. Um, but... I, I'm going, I'm going off, I'm going off a uh, 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 target here. Okay. So there is things I don't like about pinball and I'm not afraid to talk about them, but I'm not going to spend episode after episode being super negative, talking about every little thing I hate about pinball. I'd rather be telling you guys and sharing with you guys in my excitement of how much I love the newest cool thing coming out for pinball. If let's say we were back when, um, well, let's say back when Aerosmith came out. That was the last game I really was like, whoa, wow. I can't... Not that, again, that it's a bad game. And if that game, you know, came out maybe at a different time, an earlier time, it could have been a little bit more celebrated. But first of all, I can't stand the theme. Like Metallica, I don't love, but I don't necessarily hate. Maiden, I don't love, but I don't hate. ACDC, I like. I like a lot of the ACDC songs. I don't love... I've never bought an ACDC album. I think I did go to an ACDC cover concert one time, and I had fun... But, like, that's just not my jive. That's not the type of music I listen to. Um, I listen to metal that's, like, either, or, or I did. I don't anymore. But I listened to metal that was, like, way heavier than that or a little bit crunchier. I guess maybe the most commercial type of thing I can think of is, like, more like stuff like Deftones. I really wasn't in. I would be more likely to be into Screamo and Emo than I would be likely to be into, like, 80s hair metal or Aerosmith or Metallica or that sort of thing. But I get why they made the machines, and I love the Metallica machine. Uh, that music doesn't really bug me that much. I think I would turn it down if I owned it, but I don't mind hearing it in the bar from time to time when I'm just going to go play a couple games. Uh, there's times when I've been at Call the Office in London, and that was literally the only machine that would, like was being played at the time, so you could hear it very well, and I didn't mind it at all. It was there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was there a long time ago. Maybe I'm thinking about it at Matt's house as well, but... Um, I did want to read to you very quickly, what is Dudism? So I'm on dudism.com. This is where I got my ordain, ordained priesthood from. 
I was reading on here in most U.S. states, I can marry people. So, uh, by the way, if you need to get married, um, no, I am going to look into that because the homesteading here is more difficult. Like, literally, my arms and legs are bleeding in several places from giant horseflies. I've got over the mosquitoes. It's the horseflies that take out a bite the size of a penny from you that are trickier. But, uh, you know, we've been doing fine. And just to give you guys a, a quick update on our new puppy... She is doing very well. She likes to sleep down here by my feet. She looks like completely just so comfortable laying here down at my feet, just like laying on her back, arms up in the air, just head fully tilted back. Um, and her name is, of course, Luna, after Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter. And Elowen, Luna Elowen Agar, Elowen after Keith Elowen, of course, my favorite pinball designer. I'm saying it straight up. And probably, possibly the GOAT and my, well, one of my favorite pinball players. I think Escher Lefkoff is still my favorite player overall. Just because I think if anyone could eventually, eventually, and it could take decades, but eventually take over Keith for the top player, it could be him. Could be Colin Urban. Uh, with how good Colin did at the Australian Championships, I guess he cleaned up over there. The 10 days of pinball in Australia, mate. Um yeah. Anyways, I you're not going to hear me talk about drama very often other than in this podcast because it's not my thing. It's not fun. I don't tend to hang out with people who are overdramatic or constantly causing fights or just people who get upset too easily about things. Um, and, and maybe that's because that used to be me. And because that used to be me, I can recognize it. And I just don't want to be that person. Um, I used to get really irritated when anyone would tailgate me in the car. And I still do from time to time, believe me. But for the most part, if I've had enough sleep, if I haven't drank too much alcohol, uh, if I've been concentrating on healthy nutrition, if I'm getting enough exercise, if I'm not overstressed from moving across the country and back like 15 times, I typically can deal with it and I'll just turn down a side street or I'll pull over and I won't brake check them. But the old Albert back in the day, especially before I was a driving instructor and before I was an ordained Judas priest, yeah, I used to brake check people like crazy. I, I brake checked a guy so bad once on the 401 that he hit the back of my car. And uh, and I was happy about it. I was like, yeah, I freaking got you, dude, because I was driving a piece of crap and he was driving like an expensive Beamer. And I was like, dude, we're I'm driving 140 in the slow lane. Go around me. There's no traffic. Go around me. You're like six inches behind me. And I kept brake checking him. And finally, I well, I braked enough and uh, he got checked, I guess. Anyways, I feel bad that I did that. I shouldn't have done that. I was putting myself, and I don't think, I, I was in the car by myself, but I mean, I believe I may have had kids then. I hope not, but, uh, you know, I was just putting my family in jeopardy for no reason, and I just realized, why am I going to allow my day to be negatively ruined by someone else's negative actions? So for the most part, unless things directly dealt with me, I decided, and I have to tell myself this still to this day, you are not a police officer. It's not your job to teach that person to drive. I used to be a driving instructor, of course. But anyways, let me read to you just this little part here from dudism.com, okay? Uh, well, dudism in its official form has been organized has form has been organized as a religion only recently. It has existed down throughout the ages in one form or another. Probably the earliest form of dudism was the original form of Chinese Taoism. I hope I pronounced that right. Before it went all weird with magic tricks and body fluids, etc. The uh, originator of Taoism, Lao Tzu, I'm not pronouncing that right, but basically said, smoke them if you got them and mellow out, man. Uh, 
although he said this in the ancient Chinese, so, you know, something may have been lost in translation. Down through the ages, this rebel shrug has fortified many successful creeds. Buddhism, Christianity, uh, Sufism, I don't know, uh, John Leninism, and the, my favorite, Fauschismanism. Okay, so the idea is this: life is short. Now listen to this part. This part's important. Life is short and complicated, and nobody knows what to do about it. So don't do anything about it. Just take it easy, man. Stop worrying so much whether you'll make it into the finals, unless you're playing Pimberg, and kick back with some friends, some oat soda, and whether. Your roll strikes the gutters, or you do your best to turn it off yourself, sorry, or do the best to be true to yourself and others. That is why I say abide. So, anyways, that is why I'm getting at that. And I think there's people here at my house, and I'm in my boxer shorts. Do you want to pass me these pants? Okay, I have pants, and I'm going up the back stairs. In case, because I told them to come play pinball if they wanted to. Oh. So uh, Hayden and Owen are here with their buddy. You can tell them to come in and play if they want. I'll just finish upstairs and put some clothes on, okay? Hey, guys. You, we're on the move. I'm bringing you upstairs. Um, yeah, that would be awkward if, like, they came to the door and their dad's in boxer shorts on the couch. So, anyways, I have abided, and I'm still continuing to tape, and I'm up here in the bedroom now. But what... How I guess how I want to finish this podcast is by saying that I know that it's important to have people from time to time who are calling out things that are happening negatively. At the same time, is there a way to do it in a more positive fashion on a more personal level where it does less damage? Because each and every single person who has seen that clip of Fred Richardson knows that he was not, and intention is everything. He was not intending to make her feel bad. He wasn't intending to make a sexist remark. He was intending to make a self-deprivating funny joke. And I think that context and, and, and why you're saying it is perhaps more important than what you're saying. You can say the words like, you can tell someone, you're so smart. Like if they just did something really cool or they got an A on a test or they passed their driver's license or I don't know, they won trivia night, whatever. You're so smart. But you can say the exact same thing if they had failed that driver's test. Oh, you're so smart. Or, you know, um, or even if they did win trivia, you could be like, oh, yeah, you're so smart. You won trivia, but you couldn't graduate college. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's in how you're saying it. It's what your intentions are. And to me, due to the fact that Fred's intentions were not negative, I do feel like it wasn't really cool that kind of just how, just, uh, I still think it's good we talk about it, but I think maybe uh, we could have talked about it in a more private form or a kinder way, right? And uh, I think maybe sometimes people are more concerned with getting likes or comments or kind of being virtuosus and being like that person then they are concerned with you know really maybe being open and honest about it like if that post had read I'm a hundred percent I mean I just wouldn't have posted it because I didn't I don't wouldn't feel like it's my it's up to me to be the person calling people out especially as you know being a dudist but 
I think that when, you know, we're talking about these sorts of things, we really have to be mindful of what damage it can do to that person's life. And was that damage, you know, was, was it worth it? And I don't think it was. I think that he probably is now going to have to deal with hearing about this, even in a jokingly fashion for probably the next while. And that's not really fair because I don't think his intentions were at all. And I think his intentions were to help pinball, to further pinball, to go help Papa, to go, you know, commentate on what he considers to be probably his favorite pastime and watch some of the greatest pinball players on the planet play. And I think that's what he wanted to do. And I think that's what his intentions were. And I don't know him whatsoever. I don't even think we're Facebook friends. We've never talked. I doubt he listens to the show. But I guess what I try to do in life is avoid drama. And I think that that stirred up more drama that was needed. The, all the drama that was stirred up about people, you know, doing cancel culture with Nitro, I agree with that. If you're someone who listens to the show and about, I think about 40% of the listeners, you know, like almost half the listeners are from Canada here. So yeah, don't order through Nitro. If you can order through absolutely any other way, shape or form, do it. If you, it can be possible. I would even tell you to go as far as like buying a machine off the secondhand market that might be slightly used, right? As a, to avoid dealing with Nitro. Um, now you can deal with player one, who's totally awesome. That's Jerry power, I believe out of Toronto. If you're anywhere in around most of the area where I'm from in Southwestern Ontario, but, um, I, I did just type into Google how to avoid drama. And, uh, the very first link is on lifehack.org. And I just want to read through these very quickly. You can see this, this is kind of where I'm coming from in life. Okay. So number one, Avoid giving unsolicited advice. Fred, Fred Richardson, if he had posted, he had said, hey guys, i just wondering to any of the women on my Facebook if this was offensive when I said this. If he had said that, then Bowen had came out or even Ian and said, you know, uh, no, that wasn't cool, dude. Blah, 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 blah. You should have said it differently, but we can understand, you know, that was just a mistake. But kind of giving unsolicited advice when the person who was harmed by it has already forgiven them, that to me doesn't make sense, right? So the next one is know your limits. So um, uh, people have a tendency to overcommit themselves when they have too many commitments. They can't focus on anything the way they should. Things end up falling the wayside and you become a flake. And no matter how hard you try, if you just keep falling short of many people's expectations, they'll all end up against you and you'll find yourself surrounded by drama. Mind your beeswax, speak honestly, focus on yourself, okay? Um, learn to say no, stop gossip, smile, be compassionate, that one's important, and meditate. And I think that anyone taking the time to do those 10 steps probably wouldn't felt it necessary to really call out Fred Richardson. And again, I love, absolutely love Ian, so I'm not trying to do reverse call-out culture here. And I absolutely love Bowen. I just, I think that sometimes when you're making a split decision on social media, like the way I like to think about it is, and, and geez, I heard this on another podcast, I believe it might've been Slam Tilt. I think that, that even maybe Bruce or Ron, I believe it was Bruce maybe was saying like, would you actually say that to the person in real life? And I find it hard to believe that Bowen Karens or Ian would have, and I could be totally wrong. Maybe they both would have. But if they were right there, I find it hard to believe they would go right up to Fred Richardson the first time they had a chance to when they weren't live on air and call him out in front of, like, Bowen has thousands of pinball friends on Facebook, right? And, and very influential ones. I find it hard to believe that Bowen 
uh, or Ian would have gone up and just called him out maybe in the same way that they did on social media. But I think with social media, it's a little bit too easy. Okay. So it's good that we're talking about these things. Um, you know, we, we want more women in pinball. I want more women in even more important roles. I want to see, you know, the first woman designer. Uh, maybe there was one that I don't know about. Maybe I'm ignorant about it. I just haven't ever seen one on Pinside when I'm looking through the designers. I want the first coder to be within my lifetime, if not sooner. We have women coding in uh, various roles in, in video games. So why would we not have a woman in animations? And again, maybe we do. Maybe there is one there. I know we have tons of women in administration, customer service, building of the actual pinballs. I, I've seen them do walkthroughs at Stern. It seems like a very good ratio of women to men. Um, so I know there's lots of women and extremely important, you know, even marketing, advertising, sales reps. I don't know how many win, women actually distribute uh, other than, I guess, now Tommy's wife, who's became the president because he's just such a douchebag that, you know, and again, I don't even like talking about Tommy like that because, again, you know, I just feel like it's been talked about enough and um, you can make your own choice whether or not you want to be part of that. Now, we're running low on time, so I wanted to spend a tiny bit of time talking about my new pin. You guys know I have never, ever, ever done a commercial on here. And I've now I've now been approached twice, okay? Um, I've now been approached twice. The one company would have caused me to do two, two one-minute commercials about anything of their choice, okay? And it's not that I have that many listeners. I would not make very money, much money on it. It would be a couple dollars a month at most. The other one would have been more regular. They were pinball-related, and again... I just didn't feel comfortable. And for as low of money as I would be getting from anyone, I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. What I do feel comfortable doing is instead of selling the Pimmel Nerds podcast tra trading cards, my players' cards coming out, um, instead of selling my fantasy pinball posters, my fantasy pinball flyers. So I just love pinball flyers. I like the artwork on it. I like ones from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, even the 50s, if you can find them. Um, I think there's a whole book out there of like pinball artwork and flyers that I would like to get. Uh, someone message me at, at pinballnerds at gmail.com if you happen to know what the name of that is. I could probably Google it and find it. I'll look for it tonight. But if someone listening happens to know or message me through the Pinball Nerds podcast Facebook group uh, um, and let me know. But what I want to do is every three months or so, I want to release a very limited edition number of posters printed on really nice matted, you know, like done professionally. Um, I There was a company I found last night for like $35 US. I could get like X number of posters sent to me um, and they're custom as long as they're designed by me. So I just like the idea of of writing the rules. I like the idea of coming up to coming up with which songs from which bands are going to play when. Now remember, I don't have to approach any of these bands. I don't have to approach anyone or ask anyone because it's never really getting made. And you know what? I am going to give these ideas and put them out for free to the world. So if some pinball company likes a particular idea, they probably can't steal a song. And they definitely don't want to do an, a Pimmel Nerds podcast pinball machine or an Orbital Albert pinball machine, obviously. But hopefully what they will like is a certain mechanism that I come up with something like something as simple as as simple, but yet revolutionary as the Denisi lock, you know, like why did it take that long? And I know there's other people who say there's similar locks, but why did it take that long for us to see another really cool rad lock like that help happen in pinball? Um, but I want to have, I just want to share. I don't, I don't even care if, if I don't ever sell any, 
really, it's to me, what I've always wanted to do eventually with this podcast, and I thought it might be two or three years down the road, but I'm thinking I might launch on Halloween, which would be the one-year anniversary of the Pinball Nerds podcast. I should be close to 365 episodes by then, but who knows? And what I would like to do is for all my Patreons, they can either choose, and yes, even at the $5 level, they can choose to get one pack of Pinball Nerds playing cards, trading cards, which will have nine random cards in it. They can choose to get one of those sent every three months, or they can get they can choose to get a beautiful fantasy pinball machine designed by your own Orbital Albert, signed, numbered, all that kind of jazz. Um, I just think it'll be a fun thing to do. And can you imagine having in your man cave, in your pinball room, uh, wherever, in your garage, wherever, just a cool one of, like, say, maybe I make 50 of each. I'm not going to be making many. And, I mean, like I said, if I did ever sell them, I'd maybe be selling them at 10 bucks each. And that would only be left over. My Patreons would always have first choice. But, yeah, maybe if I was at a show, maybe I'd set up a small table and have them for 5 or 10 bucks. That kind of Probably 10 bucks because I think it's going to cost me, yeah, with, the, with the amount of matting and just the colors I want and all that kind of stuff, it's probably going to cost me close to 5 bucks after shipping. Uh, because remember, I got to ship out these things to my Patreons, which sometimes will be a bigger cost than the actual cost of getting the posters printed. But enough about talking about Orbital Albert's brand new, oh yeah, I'm going to call my Patreon group, uh, which hopefully will open up around the one year. I'm going to call my Patreon group, you ready for this? It's going to be called the Orbit Club. Isn't that cool? I don't know. Maybe it's not that cool. I just thought it was cool. Anyways, uh, all of the rewards for the Orbit Club, for those of you who chose to be part, choose to be part of the Orbit Club, the rewards are out of this world, okay? Um, sorry, I was just, that was punny. But, you know, like, look at Punny Factory, uh, this pinball company. Really, they've just put up this fun marketing design. I mean, that might be as far as they get. Do we really think that this company is going to be producing these five pins? Probably not. I already want to do an O Canada pin. I've already been thinking about neat mechs to put an O Canada pin and interesting modes and rule sets. So this pinball machine is going to have everything but an actual pin. And maybe one of these pins will be made by a virtual pin person because they could be made that way. So I only have a couple minutes left. Let me tell you about my new machine. It's going to have all eight planets with a sun in the middle. The sun will have something like a very small ramp. It's not like a traditional ramp. It's more like, uh, kind of like a 180 ramp that captures the ball. The sun's kind of in the very middle, but the sun would also allow you to uh, lock balls in it, okay? Then each one of those eight orbits, they're going to be relatively close to their size. So Pluto will be the smallest orbit. Um, is it Saturn or Saturn or Jupiter? Whichever the biggest planet will have the biggest orbit. And just imagine four planets going up the left-hand side of the playfield, four planets on the right-hand side, the middle of it fairly open other than the sun because they're all rotating around the sun, and each planet is a different mode. And each planet, ideally, the ones with the rings will have spinners, and the spinner will be on the top part of the orbit where you're supposed to shoot into, and it loops around to the bottom. And right at the bottom part of the orbit of all of the orbits will be a flipper, and that extra flipper is what will allow you, okay, that extra flipper is what will allow you to actually um, uh, flip the ball up to some of the other upper higher orbits, which will be only accessible to hit, really, from those flippers. So you've, we're talking one, two, three, four flippers, 
coming out the bottom of each of the four planet orbits on the left. One, two, three, four flippers there. Then we've got two more flippers where your regular flippers would go. Um, it's not going to be a typical Italian bottom either, but I'm going to save some of this for, for the future. And then, just like when the, the, the Tommy thing comes out where it, it blinds you and you can't see the flippers, I'm going to have two flippers underneath the two regular flippers that in a certain way, shape, or form can be activated to actually do basically a replica death save without doing anything illegal of moving the machine where you just press the button. But the ball and the flippers will be hidden by then, so you have to shoot it out of the trough at the exact perfect timing. Again, this is just a fantasy pin. Maybe someday it does get made into a virtual pin. Maybe someday one of the pinball companies borrow or steal one of my ideas, interesting ideas for magnets or uh, like a neat ramp mechanism. Um, but again, this is going to have four flipper, or sorry, four spinners, eight orbits, 12 flippers. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 flippers. Okay. So this is straight from Sesame Street. Like this has been ground into me since I was a kid. That's why I eat, sleep, and breathe pinball. And it's also going to have some really unique modes. It's going to have some interesting rule sets. And they don't have to be flushed out, and they don't have to be debugged, and I don't have to do code updates, and I don't have to worry about having too many flippers, and I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I'm going to have no scoops on this, by the way. This is just going to be fun. This is just going to be to make people laugh. This is going to be entertaining, and I hope you guys love it. I mean, worst case scenario, like realistically what's probably going to happen is my top five pinball uh, people, my top five super fans, by the way, which include... Um, Nick Greenan, okay, Mike Dimas of the Canadian Pinball Podcast, showed out, uh, Ian Hayer of Gamma Goat on Twitch, um, Glenn, Glenn W, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but Glenn, big super fan, he's also going to be getting a, he's already sent me the pictures of him skateboarding for the Pinball Nerds Podcast cards, and then, uh, who is my fifth super fan? I will think of it, I will think of it. But my fifth super fan, you guys are all going to get either stars or constellations named after you that are going to be on the play field. And then I'm also going to be naming, you know, a, a, yeah, something after my wife, something after my kids, uh, Chris, Chris Grovesner. Um, make sure you follow him on pin, uh, on uh, uh, Twitch as well. He's doing a lot of pinball on there. And uh, he just goes by Chris the Pin Turn, all lowercase, one word. Um Anyways, I'm sorry I went so long with this. I promised a shorter podcast. I will do a shorter podcast tomorrow. It took longer to talk about all the drama than I thought. Doesn't that always happen? That's why we shouldn't even start talking about drama in the first place. Because sometimes drama makes more drama. So this is the first and last time I will ever talk about the drama. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to episode 420 tomorrow. That was a joke. Uh, Jeff Teolis of Pinball Profile said that would be a funny joke to do for... Because if, if you have myself and you have peace on there, come on. It's got to be episode 420. Am I right? Am I right or am I right or am I right? Or am I right? Or am I right? Come on, you guys know. Until next time, pinball nerds, remember to eat, sleep, and breathe non-dramatic pinball. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve.